Hey everyone, welcome to Inside Northumbria, a series of podcasts giving you a chance to hear how we do things the Northumbria way. Hello and welcome to Inside the Emergency Department. I'm your host, James McFetrich, consultant in emergency medicine. And today I have got Damien Garwell with me. Morning, Damien. Morning, James. Damien, well, he's got a lot of roles now. Uh, I ought to acknowledge that he is our new uh, clinical director for the emergency department. Congratulations. Thank you, yes. Exciting times. Yes, that'll be a life of just sitting around, just not doing much, won't it? (laughs) Yeah, quiet times, quiet times. (laughs) But what I wanted to talk to you about was a role which I guess you're probably going to hand off to someone, but you've been instrumental in in helping set this all up, uh, the High Impact User Scheme. Team. uh, Team, yes, along with Rachel Healy. Yeah. And uh, who else is involved in that? So from the ED point of view, myself and Rachel coordinate that, but there's a a bigger trust element to this work, um, which is led by the safeguarding team. Okay. Kirsty Shosson, who um, is sort of the lead for adult safeguarding, coordinates the trust side of, of this work. So to put this into context, not so long ago, certainly when we moved here and certainly before Cramlington, for some patients, there would be the dreaded blue file that would be mm. a sort of ragged collection of all their previous notes. So anyone who came to the department quite a lot would have that as a reference point for mm. what has happened previously. And we all knew it was a bit rubbish, <laughs> but it was literally all we had to inform us about some patients. Yeah. Talk us through the timeline, how things progressed from uh, that ragged blue file. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a, a, a file of rubbish. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I came to this probably uh, 2018, something like that. And um, I think there was a, a sense that we needed something a bit more structured. There was this file that um, alerted us to the fact that someone maybe came a lot or there were certain things we needed to do with a patient. But there was a lot of outdated stuff that had been there a long time and there wasn't really a proper governance structure into the system and and how you reviewed things, kept things up to date. So that all needed looking at, but I kind of got involved because I just happened to be emailed by a GP who said oh we've, we've got a patient that we maybe need to do a bit of work on and okay. think a management plan might be useful and I thought oh that sounds interesting we did it we put a plan together that was quite nice and then um, at a clinical governance meeting someone was um, asking if anyone would take the lead for um, the, this group of work and I went oh well, I did one that'll be okay and <laughs> then the, the future was written from there yeah <laughs> slightly naively maybe yeah so I, you know the first sort of year was really just getting my head around well what is this piece of work what do these patients need what is a management plan and then linking into what was already happening in the trust so sure. already at that point um uh, the safeguarding team, as I alluded to, were were running sort of bi-monthly meetings with okay. various agencies um, from the community, uh, social care, mental health, um, but it didn't really link with anything we were doing in the department. Yeah. So we started to build on that relationship, have better ED representation at that meeting, and then we we sort of started with that blue file just went through it A to Z what's relevant what's not okay well this seems relevant for those that it's relevant for let's get a structure in place okay um, so yeah that's just kind of how it started okay and so from where you are now what's the best way to tackle this so let, let's say there is someone and obviously I won't name any names but someone who we know comes to the department hmm. a lot 
who uh, has obviously got some complex health and often mental health needs. How does the work you do translate into what we see in the department? So firstly, someone has to recognise that there's a, um, something that needs to be dealt with, an issue or a certain problem. Okay. Um, and we've tried to keep it really open so that people don't get too bogged down about who, who I should refer or who I shouldn't. Um, and so if anyone has a particular concern, they would refer that patient to us. And that's now done formally through ICE in this trust. So okay. similar pathways to lots of our other um, patients of a fracture clinic. You just log on, yep. they get referred to us. And then we would triage that patient and decide, is it something urgent? Does it actually not need anything doing with? And then we kind of um, categorise these patients into different groups. Is it something where we just need to share a bit of information about, you know, there might be a patient who when they come to ED, it's quite a traumatic experience and we just need to know how to kind of help them with that experience. So it's just a bit of information sharing. Might be a medical need. Every time they come, the diabetes needs to be managed in xyz way and then there's the more sort of challenging bits of work where we go this patient's been to ed 30 times in the last two months there's some underlying issue that we 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 need to work on um which is a bit more broad than just within ed and then that gets taken to the trust frequent attender meeting that referred to before um that has representation from from all different groups um, so housing police primary care social oh, wow. care okay. it might be different representation in the trust depending if there's medical issues and then as a result of that we'll come together and, and put a plan into place once that's been done and approved depending on the patient we'll try and include them in that so that they're aware we're doing that okay it's not always appropriate in every um circumstance yeah. But I think it's good practice to try and do that from a duty of candor point of view. And then once that's all in place, that'll go digitally onto our nerve centre, our patient tracking screen. So as soon as the relevant patient books into ED on that first page, as they're yeah. being triaged, the nursing staff will have a, a list of information about this patient's background and relevant steps to their management in the ED. So that all makes sense. And I, and I guess we've uh, probably seen that a lot for people who, who work in the department. But there's also perhaps a group that may not be captured if they're not referred to do you have a sort of list where you look at people who have attended a lot and try and work yeah, out so there's, plan on us? yeah there's a couple of data streams that we get so on a monthly basis we get um a list of the top 10 people who present to okay. ed and and you'll often find that you know 50 60 percent of those people you'll know anyway okay from the previous work you've done but it allows you just to pick up some trends if there's new patients coming yeah. into that mix of people yeah. just to kind of look at oh is this just because they've had an operation and there's been a few post-op bits and that's fine sure or is it um, an emergence of a new issue has someone got something new in their personal life that's p- okay. pushed them to uh, increase their attendances and then um, similarly in the in the trust frequent attender meeting we do a bit of work where as well as looking at that top group group of patients we look at within sort of the top 100, some people in the middle and some people at the bottom who've okay. only maybe been five, six times in a year. Okay. Some people maybe been 10, 15 times a year. Yeah. And just look at, just as a snapshot, is there any brief issues? Is there anything that we oh, think okay. might be a problem for the future? And occasionally we'll, we'll pick someone out um, and it'll become an issue. Or in reverse, you'll get someone in the top 10 and you go, oh, actually their name cropped up previously. Oh, okay. And it all kind of pieces together. So I think that's helpful just to get a sense of, of trends. And then that top 10 
um, in the trust frequent attender meeting we will review that on a, a, a regular basis and just see where we're going and uh, what sort of uh, results have you had because it's it sounds like an enormous amount of work mm. and I guess our perception in the department will be well they still keep turning up uh, or there's a new issue this time that isn't reflected in the in the plan so how how are you measuring your your results and and if you've yeah. got any uh, anonymous examples uh, well I mean it's quite interesting because it depends how do you measure success um, yeah. there'll be a trust measure where we say we would like to reduce attendances by x amount sure. but for some patients the measure of success is just their experience when they come into ED and that's yeah, a, bit, course, a, bit, yeah. a bit harder to capture but if we maybe focus on the trust point of view it was one of the trust main priorities kind of towards the beginning of the pandemic and um, we looked at our top 100 attenders in the department over a year and um, whilst we instigated a lot of the change in the formality of this referral process mm. and, and, ha- and how we worked and uh, we noticed a 15% attendance reduction in, in the top 100 patients okay. but then we realised that's probably skewed quite highly towards the very top attenders so we then specifically looked at the top 20 people and, and and these patients accounted for about one percent of annual ed attendances just just 20 people wow. um which is i was quite surprised by that actually yeah. I thought, oh, wow just 20 people yeah. and um, the context we see what 100 so about 100,000, and this top 20 accounted for about a thousand attendances just over wow. in, in that year and obviously that'll vary year to year and after the year's bit of work, that top 20, we'd reduced to about 450 attendances. Wow. So, you know, it was a 55, 60, 60% reduction. Um, slight caveat to that is that two of the patients sadly passed away um, for, you know, normal medical reasons. So we, we looked at that data, taking that mortality out, because I okay. think yeah. that had a potential to skew that, that yeah. high number. But even taking that out of the equation, um, we were still 40% reduction in attendances. So I think it showed that the interventions made a big difference. Yeah. The problem with this kind of work is though, you look at one patient group and you go, yeah, that's amazing, we've made such a difference. But in the background, you've got the next... Uh, wave sure. of, of patients with their own challenges um so you've always got to be looking at what, what what's coming up what's next yeah um, and, the, and i guess those interventions are so specific to that patient and we're only a small part of it as you say there's a huge yeah. group of people who will be getting involved yeah i mean the ed side is always it always feels like a very reactive thing that we end up doing the fact the patients ended up in ed means x y and z pre-hospitals kind of failed as it were yeah. and so we're doing very reactionary things the real benefit comes when there's some form of community engagement and something else has happened to prevent them getting to ed in yeah. the first place and I, maybe prevents the wrong word but you know supported them in a way that they've yeah. not needed to uh, attend us for our service what is it that you need from us in the in the department thinking about these this patient group high impact users is a good term because as you say, it's not necessarily the, the frequency mm. that they attend with, but the impact that they have once they're there means a lot of resources need to go in to help them on that any one episode. So what do you need from us as jobbing clinicians and people in the, in the department to help this process? Well, I think the first thing is just having an open eye and, and being aware that the service exists and, and knowing how to access it. So if you you know have got concerns about a patient who you think may benefit from some sort of structured management when they attend the ED is to get in contact with us mm-hmm. um, through the referral pathways we spoke about. 
I think the second thing that that's important to raise is a much broader issue is the issue of compassion fatigue. Um, this is something we keep noticing more and more that these patients are often challenging to manage and can have a negative effect on staff. But as a result, that then can impact on um, the patient's behaviour. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you've got someone who comes and every time they come, their behaviour might be difficult to manage, that's stressful for staff. And so every time that patient returns, staff find that difficult. And we sometimes forget what's going on in that patient's life and yeah. what the trigger for that is. What's their unmet need? Why is it they're actually doing this? And the feedback we get from patients is, I don't feel listened to, I get judged. Just the fact you've got a management plan all, almost has a label that strikes some kind of um, judgment potentially. I think having an awareness of that and not being so quick to go, oh, it's so-and-so. Um, and actually just thinking a bit more about those underlying issues about why they're, why they're there. And, um, you know, we're all guilty of it. I, you know, when I'm managing a difficult department and I get someone in that's behaviourally, they might be really d- tricky to, to manage amongst a really busy department. I do go, oh, no, this is going to be a challenge. Yeah. What, why now? Yeah. You know, we all have <laughs> those been there. we all have those moments. But we have to, I know it sounds really cliche and cheesy, why did we do this job? You know, we're, we're there to help people and we just have to go, well, what's their unmet need? There's a reason why this is happening. And that's a really cha- a challenging thing to address. I think the first bit is just being aware that that problem exists and that yeah. we have those moments where our compassion is not maybe where it, where it could be. And just to give it some thought, really. So there's the referral process in, there's the taking notice of, mm. of the the plan that's in there yeah and there's being non-judgmental mm. about their attendance and uh, and treating them afresh with that problem and and thinking about their their unmet needs yeah and i think i think as well um these patients some of them they're at risk of things going wrong and often we become complacent because they're, mm. they're in a lot potentially and you can miss things but Equally, they're more at risk of things happening. So we just have to have an open eye and remember that, really. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time and uh, telling us a bit about uh, your work with high-impact users. I guess I need to finish with my traditional question at the end. If you were a fly on the wall in any part of the uh, trust, if you could spend a day just looking to see what other people do, where would you spend that time? Where would I go in the trust to see what they do? Oh, gosh. That's a really tricky question. Um, I thought it was going to be the original question that you said where you go, what, what thing would you do to make the NHS better? <laughs> um, you can answer that question if no, you no, want. No, no, I don't have an answer to that either. <laughs> where, where would I like to go? You know, I think I'd like to be in the walls of a GP surgery, you know, okay. and, and hear the other side to what we deal with on a, you know, there's a lot of friction between primary care and secondary care and, and see their challenges, get an understanding of that other side and, I think if you understand their services, you, you can improve your own. So I, I, I think think being there at the coalface where we know there's a lot of challenges, I think would be useful. Okay, that's good. I'm sure that can be arranged. <laughs> so for <laughs> the time being, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Thank you very much once again. Yeah, and brilliant. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and uh, review so you don't miss any further podcasts. Thank you.